We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture, comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me with Season Watch. And of course, we'll begin with prayer. Uh, Jesus, we just thank you for this time of year and the opportunity to share the glory of your son and the remarkable plan of redemption that you have for the whole earth. And we pray that um, that people all around the world hear again afresh uh, your plan, your salvation, your generous gift to bring us to you, to reconcile us to you, and to redeem us, to give us eternal life and a hope, Lord, hope now and for eternity. And so bless us with your presence, and we just give these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hello, friends. I got to tell you, I love Christmas, if I didn't mention it last time. And remember, I do have several episodes from last year. You can just look them up in December, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts or um, here on kprz.com or my Rumble channel, Wendy's Words for Him.com, uh, Wendy's Words for Him Radio. And you can see all of my um, episodes last year around December for uh, about Jesus, and they're really enriching. And um, again, uh, just take a look at that. They will show you how great our Messiah is. And I just want to urge everyone to be inspired by the special time of year to glorify God and tell everyone that you can about Jesus, our wonderful Savior. Now's the time, you know. And friends, don't we have a glorious King? You know, Revelation nineteen sixteen describes Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of Lords. And so, friends, fasten your truth belts as today we talk about Yeshua of Israel, King of the Jews. And so, in this prophetic time we're living in, we see just as God prophesied that in the last days the whole world would eventually turn against the Jews and against Israel in what appears to be this irrational hatred. It's really unfathomable. And this culture has even caused Christians to irrationally divorce Israel from their own beloved Savior. Jesus. They just wanted to detach him like he was never Jewish. But Jesus is the Greek name for Yeshua, which is the uh, which is what we read in the Old Testament name as Joshua, and it means salvation, right? And so today we will look at how it is impossible to separate Jesus's Jewishness from God's plan of eternal salvation because it's a really good one, and thereby separate him from his own people, Israel, who we seem to reject today. Let's not do that. Uh, we must draw close to him and to his people. And so in, pa- in the past, we've talked about the beautiful symmetry of God's unfolding plan to redeem humanity. It's amazing. He's so wise. And if you become a student of the Bible, these magnificent patterns 
become clear. And again, we see that God created the heavens and the earth for the sole purpose of creating a home for us humans. He made them for us, right? And he created us for fellowship with him like a good father and to show us his love and to receive love, the gift, uh, the greatest gift of all. But only love from a free will is valuable. So God's plan for humanity must unfold through the agony of our free will decisions because we make a lot of doozies, don't we? And the natural consequences that must entail from our free will choices. And so in God's wisdom, we see his marvelous plan for humanity unfold in a way that allows us to choose him freely and to accept his wise judgments. But of course, that also brought sin and death into the world because we had a choice. And so uh, we find that God gave us free will, and then he created us with an intellect and emotions and the desire for fellowship. Then he gave us a choice whether to follow him or to rebel against him. And when Adam and Eve rebelled in Genesis 6, the consequence of death entered the world, which subjected all of creation to corruption, right? We're just doing a little review here. God then promised in Genesis 3.15, a redeemer would come, born of the woman, the seed of the woman, who would redeem all of humanity and in the fullness of time would bring us back to himself. And so later Cain killed his brother Abel, that rascal. And rather than exacting an immediate death penalty, God sent him away from the rest of the family as punishment, just as God had sent Satan away until his final punishment. See a pattern? But by leaving Cain alive, this left him free to follow Satan and create a dynasty of wickedness that perverted the others who were supposed to follow God. And Cain's Cain's progeny spread wickedness, violence, and rebellion throughout the earth. So it got really bad, so bad that God had to destroy the earth. So he preserved Noah and his family because he was found to have a perfect heart before the Lord. And God judged the wickedness that had destroyed and, and spread through the whole earth with its violence. And he destroyed the earth and all of humanity with a flood. But when the flood was over, God instituted a government and justice system that required humans to take the life of anyone who murdered another. So now we have a justice system. And this process was necessary to show humans that even when they were given a chance to follow God's ways freely, they rebelled. And they were given a chance to repent after doing a wicked act. But uh, instead, rather than being judged, They had a kind of a grace, and they should have repented. However, instead, humans use this grace as a shelter to do more wickedly, right? And that's what we saw with Cain and and the pre-flood world. And this process revealed to humans that a justice system was necessary to protect the innocent and keep wickedness in check. But then another wicked leader arose after the flood in the tradition of Satan, in the tradition of Cain, and his name was Nimrod. And he built a city called Babel and led another rebellion to unite in one government and one religion against God's commands to go forth and fill the earth. And so God confounded their plans as it was the spirit of the Antichrist already moving. And it was Satan's move to establish dominion over the earth through a new one world government. And God divided the nations by imposing other languages so that he could not communicate. And they stopped building the tower and went out as he had commanded to fill the earth. And so for the first 2,000 years since creation, we see uh, that God allowed these scenarios to play out because he was letting humanity see that in their free will, wickedness would soon abound and destroy the weak and the innocent unless there was a justice 
or a judgment system of the wicked. And so now that humanity was divided into nation families, God began the next stage of redemption plan to create a representative nation among the nations and to deliver his word and promises to the earth, to the people of the earth, earth, and prepare a faithful people through this nation in order to bring the Messiah, the promised Messiah ever since Genesis 3.15, and thereby save all those from every nation who would believe. And so uh, God in Matthew uh, Malachi 2.15 said that he seeks a godly seed, just like Noah, just like the godly followers of, of God before, he seeks a godly seed to represent him. And so this is just like the promise in Genesis 3.13 that the seed of the woman would be the savior of the world. So we see these patterns. And so God chose faithful Abraham, who was a Chaldean. He was not Jewish. He created a Jewish nation through Abraham to fulfill the next stage of salvation. And God promised him in Genesis 12.21, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, it's his plan and his promise to bless the whole world by creating, creating a nation through this one faithful man, Abraham. And after Abraham faithfully obeyed in all things, he was finally promised a son that would be the heir and the line through which the Messiah would be brought. And so we see in Genesis 17, 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be your God to you and your descendants after you. Verse 8, and I also give you and your descendants after you the land which you are a stranger at this time, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Verse 19, and Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. So God kept his promise as Sarah bore a son, even when she was 90 years old, to be the heir of all of God's promises to be the next son in the line of the lineage because he needed a faithful holy seed to bring his promises to pass. But later God told Abraham to sacrifice his own son. So with all solemnness, Abraham obeyed. He believed that somehow God would restore or redeem Isaac for him. And so he told this to Isaac. He said in Genesis 2, uh, 22, 8, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And he said this as they walked up to sacrifice him. That was a tremendous thing that Abraham trusted him for. And so we see here a foretelling of what God would do to redeem humanity by sacrificing his beloved son to take the punishment for our sins. And so Abraham obeyed, raising the knife to sacrifice Isaac. And as he did so, an angel of the Lord stopped him and said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and there behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So this starts a pattern that we see that he will develop through Israel later. Uh, Genesis 22, verse 14. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Yireh, as it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. Now that last verse is the King James Version because it is the most accurate 
And your translation likely says, in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided, which is also an accurate sense of what the meaning is. But the Hebrew word is yire, and yire means it shall be seen. And we know that Mount Moriah, where God sent Abraham to sacrifice his son in verse 2, is the same mountain that David later bought as a threshing floor from Ornon, the Jebusite which is where God later placed his tabernacle as the mountain of the Lord. That's where they're looking to rebuild the tabernacle, and it's going to come to pass during the tribulation. He'll rebuild that, that temple, right, as a mountain of the Lord. And that is the same mountain that God considers spiritually Zion, right? And so it's the same place that Abraham was rescued by uh, by God and and was given a ram in its place. And indeed, in the mountains of Moriah in Israel, in Jerusalem, is where the redemption of God would play out. As Abraham was saved from sacrificing his only son, the heir of the covenant to bring the Messiah. But we know now that God did not spare his only son, Jesus, which was the promised descendant of Abraham, who was God's friend, the son of Isaac and the son of Jacob. And God would give his only son, Jesus, Yeshua, the son of David, on Mount Zion, where he would be seen, he would be seen by all of his people and even indeed the whole world as a sacrifice, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. God provided literally himself, as it says in that verse, literally himself as a sacrifice, as Abraham declared by faith in verse 8. And God affirmed this promise that on the mountain, again, to Abraham as faithful and chosen to form a special people to fulfill his redemptive promise. And we see in Genesis twenty two sixteen, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. Verse 18, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so we know that's the promise of the Messiah. And so after Abraham, Isaac was chosen. And after Isaac, the promises of the land um, that, and that lineage would, be, would bring the Messiah to, uh, were pledged to Jacob. And this pledge to Jacob came in dramatic fashion. We remember this is very profound in Genesis twenty-eight twelve. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Uh, Verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon you lie, to you I will give it, and to your seed. Verse 15, and behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you again into this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you. So we see this tremendous promise, and we know this promise was was fulfilled in Jesus according to his own words to Nathaniel. We see this in John 1, 51. You remember this? What a mystery this is. God is so good. He says in John one fifty one to Nathaniel, and he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so we see the promise to Jacob to give the land that would be named after him, which was Israel, right? And God named him uh, Gen- uh, Israel in Genesis 32, verse 28. And he says, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, For as a prince, you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. 
And so he was named, in a sense, after his grandmother, Sarah. Sarah means princess, and Israel is prince or governed by God. And uh, he became the head of the family, a new nation that would represent God to the heathen nations and be governed by God. And so remember that Cain set out to start his own rebellious city, and he corrupted and spread wickedness to other families so that the innocent would eventually perish at the hands of an unrestrained wickedness. And so we see now we finally come all the way to the point where God creates his own government and uh, a nation that would represent him and be governed by God, and that this would be a holy family to prepare a people through which to bring his promised Messiah. And this nation would be governed by the laws of God and to and be set apart from the heathen nations as an example to them. And so God sends the family of Jacob, the 12 tribes that formed from his 12 sons, into Egypt to grow and multiply in a protected geography for 400 years. And then Pharaoh, in the spirit of Antichrist, once again became cruel and made Israel and all the people slaves, saying that there are too many of them. He wanted to kill them off, frankly. And so just like Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so if they would die, it would thwart the promises of God because Satan knows the promises, right? And so God raised up Moses to bring them out of Egypt into the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God had prophesied this to Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 16. But in the fourth generation, after going down to Egypt, in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And so we see God even had patience with the wickedness of the land of the people in Canaan. And he had patience with them for hundreds of years until it was just intolerable. And he displaced them by bringing Israel into the land out of Egypt. And so God brought them out of Egypt with many miracles, which we cannot ignore, right? We love to tell these stories. And if we love God and trust the Bible, we remember that these were to bring Israel out and to establish them in their land. And in doing so, he established a type of the sacrificial lamb in the Passover. Remember the Passover for the last plague that God would bring by killing the firstborn all in Egypt. And he established the Passover. And that Passover we know now is Jesus, Yeshua, the one who would fulfill the sacrificial lamb in our place. And so when he brought them out of Egypt, he parted the Red Sea to bring them out, and he drowned the whole Egyptian army. And Pharaoh, who was a great adversary, to show Israel that he was the great and only God, not like the gods of the heathens, right? And in the wilderness, God established his covenant with Israel and appointed Levi as the priest who would serve God. And he delivered the law and appointed sacrifices for sins and feasts that would point to the coming Messiah so that the people would be governed by God. And there would always be a remnant of the people who would follow him and preserve the promises of the covenant. And God gave them the principle of innocent sacrifice to temporarily cover sins and bring them into a right relationship with God, because this would point to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. And so we see in Leviticus 17:11, he says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. And God brought them back into the land he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to judge the wickedness of the inhabitants of the land and to give it to Israel as an everlasting covenant. As we saw in Deuteronomy twenty six eighteen. today the Lord has proclaimed 
you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all of his commandments, verse 19, and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made in praise, in name, and in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. And then later, God chose David to be king over all of Israel and made his messianic covenant with him to bring the Messiah of the whole world through David, who he called a man after his own heart. And we see this establishment to David in Second Samuel seven twelve. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. There we have the term seed again, just like the uh, in Genesis 3.15, the promise of seed of the woman. Verse 13, and he, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 16, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever, right? And that's the prophecies of the son of David, that the Messiah would be a son of David. Then we see that throughout the Bible, all the prophecies tell of the coming son of David to uh, redeem and save those who are lost, to rule as the king of kings. What a glorious promise. And so we start to see these. I'm going to read a bunch of beautiful promises and notice the theme. It's always the son of David. Jeremiah 23, 5, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Psalm 2, 6, Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. What an amazing promise. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Shar Shalom. Uh, Verse 7, "Of, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Zechariah 6.12 Then speak to Yeshua, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. See, we see Yeshua is the name of the Messiah. He's that branch. From his place he shall branch out. He shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall build the glory, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Which is a remarkable prophecy that Jesus, the Messiah, would be both king and and priest, because he first offers himself as a sacrifice, a sacrifice of a priest, to absolve all of our sins. And then he sits on his throne as a king when he returns in his glory. He's earned it and inherited. He'd inherited all things for us on, on our behalf. And then we see in Zechariah 6, uh, uh, Zechariah 9, 9, we love this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and has 
having salvation, lowly, and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 11, as for you also, the blood of your covenant will I set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. And we know that's the promise for the new covenant that we see also in Jeremiah 29, 11. And so Micah 5, 2, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. And then we have Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, to the virgin whose name was Mary. Then the angel said to her, verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Uh, Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We see Matthew 2, 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And so we see Matthew 21, 7, just like the prophecies. And they brought to Jesus a donkey on a colt and laid their clothes upon him and set him on it. And a very great multitude spread their clothes in the road, cutting down branches. And a multitude who went before said, following him, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. And we see in John 18, 33, Pilate entered to the praetorium again, called Jesus as said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate said, Are you then the king of the Jews? And he answered, You have rightly said, For I am a king. For this cause was I born, and for this cause have I come into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And that is our King, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. Let's honor Him this Christmas season. Let's celebrate Him and recognize who He is. And until next time, God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. 